0: welcome back to lantern rouge cycling podcast for the second in the awards show the best gc rider award one of the most important ones of course there's the overall best rider and classics rider but this is maybe the second most important in the world maybe if you just want to win the tour de france this is the most important depending on your perspective of cycling so what criteria then benji matter for our gc rider awards what is What is a GC rider? So we don't count anything you did in a one-day race. Irrelevant.
1: Kind of true. But the characteristics you show in a one-day race could matter. As in, first of all, GC success in 2023 matters. That's obvious. That's one of the biggest obvious ones here. Climbing level? Would you say that's more the average climbing level that we count or the peak climbing level? I think... I think it's
0: both. I think oh, I think peak climbing level. I think when they're on form, what can they do? Because we also have consistency as a metric. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe someone like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> Adam Yates, for example. Yeah, Adam Yates cannot go with Jonas and Poggi in any of the tour stages, but he never crumbles in any climb this year. Yep. All year, he's good on every climb. So that's consistency, but his peak is clearly just a bit below Jonas and, and Pogacar so that I think they're separate there's time trial there's your uh your sprint's important too because yep. in a lot of these races particularly one-week GCs honestly like Roglic won two of
1: them on his sprint yep but I will say consistency I think there's a difference between being consistent throughout the race versus throughout the year because they have Pogacha, for example Perfect example of being consistent throughout the year. He's there in every single GC he's fighting for. But then when it comes to consistency in the race, he's have these moments in the Tour de France, for example, on Côte d'Aleuze, where losing five minutes on a mountain stage, doing two minutes worse than Zimmermann, four minutes worse than m that's not consistency throughout the race, you know?
0: Yeah, and there's... Who else is a good example of this? Almeida versus Thomas, for example. Yeah, is another one where, yeah, like Thomas is really good throughout that race, consistent in that Giro, as you sort of mentioned with uh, Adam Yates. But then Grant Thomas, in terms of GC, may as well have been on holiday for every other race this year. Whereas Almeida's in the top five of you know Poland, he came second and. Of welter, he scratched a top a, a top ten, so he's also consistent throughout the year. But Thomas was better than him in the Giro. Uh, yeah, he was better than him in the Giro. He beat him in the TTS, which are important. So TT, obviously, when you look at the Giro next year, it's a fundamental cornerstone. Climbing, yep. TT, punch and sprint are the cornerstones of GC riders, along with their consistency. And I think who you beat matters a little bit. I am. Yep. I am reluctant to knock the Giro too much even though yes when we when you look at uh gabriel's top 10 climate performances article from this year you probably won't see many Giro performances but i think you still have to get credit for doing it and because it's they're, they're longer harder stages it's just a different grand tour it's cold it's wet it's attritional um I don't want to put the welter above it too much just because it's got the short stages with the flashy, you know, the climbs like Bejes where of course you're going to do high numbers.
1: I agree, but I also believe that the competition is it's in a different spectrum than, for example, when we talk about sprints. If we talk about our best sprinter awards, I feel like competition was more of a topic because in these GC discussions, you have many times the better riders fighting it out against each other you won't often see a Skelmoza pop in a Grand Tour top three, for example. So that's something that can happen in a random sprint throughout the year. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's a factor, but it's not as obvious.
0: Exactly. Like even in, in Tour de Suisse, which he won, right, Skelmoza, he was yep. still, he earned that. He didn't fluke that. He did a great yep. TT. He rode the mountain stages even when he was getting dropped super smart. He won the first one. I think him and goal went clear. So yeah. Yeah, it's not like in a sprint, a split second mistake from somebody who then jumps too early, gives you a great lead up, bang. Yep. You know, I was just looking at the last Giro sprint. Kirsch came second, Fiorelli came third behind Cav. Um, but I think Kirsch are a ready rider. Anyway, that's. Uh, <laughs> you got a question on the list here, Benji. Have the requirements for GC riders evolved over the last few years? What do you mean by that?
1: I think it's something that is often related towards time trial kilometers in the year and the time trial skill of the the top GC riders because back in the day you had like the Froome versus Quintana fights where Froome had an obvious advantage when it comes to time trial Wiggins in his Grand Tour took a major bonus in the Tour de France due to his time trial skill but was consistent in the climbs as well but I feel like it's odd, I feel like the requirements for GC riders often depends on the year itself and the Grand Tour routes that are presented in that year, because let's be honest about it, the Tour de France 2023 did not have that all-out 40-minute, 40 40-kilometer 40 flat time trial, for example, was more climbing-related in that and so forth, although time trial mattered there. I have the feeling that because the top GC riders, the Thingago, the Pogacar, the Roglics of the world, on flat time trials aren't that different, there's differences between them, but it's not like on a flat time trial, I don't expect one guy to take two minutes on another guy there, like back in the day. So, that's something there, but then again, if you look at the, the Giro, that's where it does matter when you see a Thomas versus a...
0: But even there, Thomas, Almeida, Lando? Roglic in that flat TT were pretty yeah, close. The exactly. second one. And, and Gagin Hart was beat Thomas by a microsecond. Or no, no, sorry, <laughs> Thomas beat him by a microsecond. Um... I guess there's like Remco's just sort of in his own stratosphere when he's on on yeah. peak shape. Uh, but you're right. I also looked at the question completely differently. Oh, Is there more pressure on GC riders these days to be good for t- 10 months of the year? And oh. certainly it's team by team, right? UAE, they want you scoring all year. Yep. They want you scoring from... <laughs> the start of mid-January if you're J-Vine or yep. start of February if you're Pagacha to October. Yeah, uh, Ineos with Thomas is the complete old school peak for your A-race and then kind of chilling to the rest of the year or at least you know, he's not expected to even top 10 his preparation races before yep. the Giro. No, actually, that's not true. Normally, Thomas... In previous years, with like podium the Dauphiné or yeah. uh, or Romandy before the Tour de France, but
1: just like Chris Froome back in the day, you wouldn't expect him in February to show up and be the best rider in every no. single race he rides. So I get the point you're making, and we see that Pogatra and Vingegaard have been relatively consistent throughout the year. Like if we take a close look at Vingegaard, for example, outside of the the Grand Tours he rode, he dominated at Zulia Dauphiné and Gran Camino. So. Three of the four, I think, stage races he did. He kind of flopped in, in Pyrenees, but that's, yeah. let's put that aside for a second. So that's relatively dominant throughout the year, which is a major difference from last year. Do you reckon how big is the step that Jonas Vingegal made between 2022 and 2023? Considering I feel like he's become more dominant in the Grand Tours. And second of all... He's become way more dominant throughout the year and has he become more versatile too
0: i think he's uh his three to 12 minute is way better oh maybe three to eight minute he was already yeah. good on uh mold last year where he stuck yeah. with pagacha that was an 11 10 minute climb this year he's just dropping people on three four five minute climbs yeah. uh in those shorter stages like grand Camino, i grant you not the biggest start list he won every stage the first one was neutralized he won every two road stages in the tt the tt also was a practice for the tour de france tt all the way back at the end of february uh simulation for or on a hilly parkour uh, incidentally if you look at fourth bard, bard lemon came fourth there he just got signed uh to yumbo visma for on a two-year deal i think from human-powered health so i think that's maybe where he went on their radar yeah and, and he just he won a lot of stages in those races Benji which is yep. not they're not long Tourmalet climbs. He won three Basque stages. They weren't long climbs. He won two Dauphine stages. One wasn't a long climb. So yeah, I think he uh, he didn't do a one-day race this year. <laughs> not a single one-day race.
1: Question. This isn't a a question I have about Pogacar now versus Vingago because we were speaking about Vingago there but towards Pogacar do you feel, I feel that way slightly, but I also feel like the moments where Pogatra had weakness here are important moments as a GC rider. But do you feel like the, the level difference between Pogatra and Vingegaard is being seen as larger than it actually might be due to the time trial and due to Cold La Los, those two days? Because I swear, until the, second, until the last rest day at the Tour de France, I was not sure who was going to win that because you looked at the stage that came beforehand and we saw this this pattern kind of pop up where Pogaccio would make the early move he would have the acceleration be able to gap Vingegaard on those stages and then Vingegaard was able to like crawl back now we knew that when it comes to the larger climb in the third week that Vingegaard would likely have the upper hand but losing five minutes or whatever it was four minutes to Adam Yates in my opinion even knowing that these kind of stages are Gachar's weaker days in the Tour de France in the last few years. This was completely exaggerated compared to what I expected.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect him to lose that amount of time, but I think there's a there's a psychological sort of trap here with the Pagacha, mm-hmm. right? So Pogacar, you'll see him 90% of the time being the best, right? Yeah. And... Being the best by not very much, though. Like, Puy de Dome, he drops Jonas, right? Jonas yep. lost, I think, seven seconds. Grand Colombier, he gaps Jonas four seconds. And you see it, you're like, that's the majority of the time. And then on these crucial stages, he's getting killed, like Grenon. And then yep. on Col de la and on Vontu, he he lost a lot of time on the climb. Descent finish helped him. So that gap seems to have grown each year from 40 seconds on Vontu to Grenon, it's two and a half minutes to Lowe's, it's five minutes. Um is that Jonas getting better? A little bit, but also um maybe Pagatch getting worse in that regard because you look at Paranese. Yeah, he killed Jonas on Loge de Garde. Jonas was too too aggressive. Uh, actually similar to Yeah. attacked on Loge de Gard off a nothing pace, Poggy in the wheel, Poggy counters him going after David Godou, Jonas can't respond, and he loses. He got dropped by Volklang Perry Paripantra. He lost 43 seconds on a nothing climb, you know, 6.8k 7%. But then on Colde Cuyol, the gap wasn't big at all. And, yep. and that's a 16k, 7.3% climb. And if you extrapolate but, that if you extrapolate that Loge de Garde gap, Poggi should be taking a minute, a minute and a half.
1: Yes, but I think it's the opposite of what you said about Pogacar there as well. As in, you said Pogacar has that psychological thing as well on the moments that he really falls through on Côte Lose, for example. But I'm also looking at that Paranese, for example, Loge de Garde, but also at... Um, at Today is also an example of that. In the moment, Vingegaard was probably thinking when he makes those moves, the attack on Tourmalet after being better the day before on the uh, Laurent stage with Marie Blanc. And at paris he he felt pretty good because he just won the Tour de France against Pogaccio the year before, stuff like that. He knows he's on level from Gran Camino. If he then makes that move and gets countered then he didn't realize he could crawl back to, Ving- uh, to, to Pogacar when Pogacar countered him. Then it felt, felt like Vingo also had like a hit psychologically that was like, shit, shit, he countered me. I'm not going to make it to the line. And I feel like he matured in that during this year's Tour de France. Because that was yeah, when, he sw- that's when he switched it towards, now I need to control my tempo, don't panic, I can still crawl this back. And I feel like that's an important step for Vingo. And a dangerous one for the future, because that might make him quite dominant in certain races.
0: Yeah. And I, with the Pogaccia, I didn't mean Pogaccia's psychology. I meant us yeah. as viewers. Okay. We see Pogaccia destroying Van der Poel on the, chem- on the Isle de Quarmon in the Tour of yeah. Flanders. We see him dominating all these races. We see him dominate most of the stages in the stage races. So we, we will attribute him to having an off day in these big mount stages it's like well maybe that's his level actually
1: nah nah i i agree that there's something in there that his level is lower on those stages but his level is not four minutes lower than adam yates on those stages in my opinion
0: maybe what was but wrong is, what was wrong then he won the he, he won stage 20.
1: as a the thing there is something that he's causing these stages. so
0: it is so it's, that's, i mean it's currently his level Unless he was sick, and then three days. So unless two days before, when he was good on stage fifteen, he was healthy. Then he was. So many people sick. Okay, well, and then he wins stage twenty. What's wrong? It is.
1: It is hundred percent the pattern, but I. I refuse to call that as usual. Usual level.
0: Yeah, maybe, or maybe they got the feeding wrong. The two, the, on the rest day. Um, but it, it's, it's an possible, Achilles heel. But-
1: from the outside, it's 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 kind of impossible for us to like see what the exact reason is for those weaknesses. But it's something that happens, and if they don't change anything, then that's likely going to be the case again in a in a future Grand Tour. Yeah. How much do you affect that? H- how much do you think that crash at LBL affected it? Because probably in some way it affected his Tour de France, but he was at a good level in the first two weeks in the tour.
0: Yeah, I mean Tourmalay and he was unbelievably good. That's, like, one of his best ever performances on Tourmalet Cotere, the day after Marie Blanc. Uh, Puy de Dome, I think his best ever, some of his best ever 20-minute watts, 30-minute watts. Um, Juplain, really good. They could have broken the record, but he slowed down. So, yeah, he was a really, really good level. Yep. Um, and on the stages that suited him, he was unbeatable, uh, like on uh, the planche Buffy one. But, yeah, that's... I think that's... Some people are saying, oh, the like a Tour de France merchant like Lance Armstrong. I mean, that's just not... Like, he nah. rode a lot of other races and he Last year,
1: maybe. Yeah. This year, 100% no. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he, consistent throughout the year except Baronis.
0: And he could have won the Vuelta he decided to let... Uh, you know, that Coos would win, so...
1: But... I would say he's still a, a stage race merchant and he still needs to dive into winning proper one-day races at some point, which I think he can probably do, Yeah. but this year, if you do the Tour de France and you do the Velta, if you do stage races, build up towards the Tour de France, not really the Ardennes and so forth, then you won't have those chances to show it. So I reckon in a, in a few years, we'll see at least Vingegaard winning one hilly slash mountain Italian classic or something.
0: How do we rate Pogaccia here with the second at the Tour, mm-hmm. Wins Peronese, They're the only World Tour stage races. He does two World Tour stage races the whole year. Now, would he have done a Dauphiné or would he have done Slovenia if he hadn't had
1: the crash? Probably. I think he would have done something more before the Tour de France if he didn't have the crash. And I don't know if that would have been Dauphiné or Slovenia. I I reckon at least one of the two. So that... that but, but that happens. That's a thing that happens throughout the season. You can get injured and it's hard for us to judge stage races that did not happen, you know? But I feel like because of him getting second at the Tour de France and not having those other stage races stacked up like five of them, for example, it's only on the Lucien and really. That's what makes it so much closer with Roglic this year yeah. and makes it an actual competition for the second spot. Because let's be honest about it. Just like in the best sprinter yeah. awards, which was Philipson, I'm pretty sure we both have Vingegaard in the first place. Or not.
0: Yeah, he's, he was pretty good this year. Um, <laughs> you win... Yeah, podium one grand tour, win the tour, win Dauphine, you win Bass Country, podium another, and yeah. win some other ones. Yeah, it's it's impossible not to have Jonas first. But yeah, that's why I mentioned Pogacic and which is the close one. There's then a gap between those two and the rest, I think, because... Yeah. Roglic won everything. And yeah. where he gets knocked is, I guess, perceived level of competition and race, mm-hmm. and maybe his peak climbing performances. But yeah, he won Tureno, won Catalunya, and won stages in those two. Yeah. Like, do we care about winning the
1: stages along the way in this contest? We didn't mention that. I think it works in the consistency throughout the race category. If you can consistently win consistently win races, that means that yeah. you're up there, but also that you might have the punch, which is another category criteria for what we have. So I think it indirectly matters. But it's also the way he wins is also part of the discussion, in my opinion. As in he didn't dominantly win the Giro d'Italia. It was a last-minute clutch, but that doesn't make it necessarily worse. He was still consistent enough to stay up there to then try and take it over on Montelusari on his preferred terrain. So that's something there. Would you say... We've spoken a lot about the Kilojoules in stage and so forth, and Roglic throughout the first half of the year at least, having more trouble on stages that had more energy expenditure. But doesn't that also somewhat count for Pogacar in Grand Tour stage? Because, like, what's the difference there? Pogacar in Tour of Flanders can handle all the energy expenditure in the world, but on Code La Laws, when it's built up after uh, two weeks of fatigue, it somehow kills him.
0: Yeah, but he's competing against guys in Tour of Flanders who are spending even more kilojoules than him. He's not competing against smaller guys. He is the smallest guy at Tour of Flanders. Um, So probably by the time they get to Alderquam, Wild Van Aas probably spent like 6,000 kilojoules or something. I don't know. and yeah, that's why the Vuelta suits Roglic so much because they come to the base of Angleroo with less than 3,000 kilojoules. Yes, there's two climbs they did hard before. The intensity was really, like, really high in the last two hours before Angleroo, an hour and a half, but it's still not a 4,000 kilojoule marathon like Bondone, but to the base of Bondone where it's a slug fest. Um, I think Roglic. He kind of tricked me a little bit. And when he needed to turn it on, he, he really did every time yeah. just about this year. Like Roglic, I mean, he came third in the Vuelta. He was better than anyone not on his own team. He won Burgos as well in preparation in dominant fashion. He just, he also didn't do any one day races until the Italian Classics after the Vuelta. So it's really tough between him and Pagaccia. I, um, his Angleroo performance, I think, counts a lot for me, even though whether yeah. you think it was right or wrong, in that it was a really, really high level performance. And uh, I think that that's an indication to me that I, th- I think Roglic would have probably, if Poggy has that same issue on Lowe's, I think he beats on cold on uh, in the Tour de France.
1: I think that's a viable argument. And also, the thing when it comes to Roglic's. Is- I wouldn't describe Primoz Roglic as the race strategy genius that can adapt to every situation in the race, but if we take a look at the final kilometer, he's one of the most cold-blooded killers in a final kilometer in a in a mountain stage in a hilly parkour. We just saw that in Giro d'Italia, the fact that he he basically kind of played Pogacar in, in that race, and I feel like that also matters. That in moments where he needs it he has the patience to be able to benefit from it and sometimes he benefits from the the passiveness of the competition when he does that for example i 100% believe that if there's no headwind on tortoretto and they don't cancel half of that climb for example i think he's in trouble there but yeah he still made it happen by being that patient man by not blowing himself up and doing so, and still having something left to out-sprint the others at the top, maybe knowing that they might stall in the headwind if they don't want to work together at the front. So it's kind of like, that's, a, that's one of the things of Tireno. There's, with some of the races that Primoz had, on one end, yeah, headwind on Tortereto helped him, but then on stage six, for example, Jumbo's strategy didn't exactly help him by blowing up the race. It made the race harder for him. They could have exactly. made it much calmer that race, so... I've, I've I've gone back and forth between whether Roglic would have won that or not won that, depending on the weather situation on Tortoreto, Tireno, but with if Jambo rides defensively on stage six, I feel like he, he takes Tireno anyway, regardless. So in Catalonia, you can talk about okay on I think it was La Molina that Remco drops him for like three seconds or something. He's still consistent throughout and he delivers the victory. And I agree, Angliru is really at that point where I'm like, do that was a level that is close to to the France 2020 level when it, comes to, when it comes to Roglic. I don't know the exact difference between the two performances, but it felt like that to me. It's like, how would we rate Bogacá versus Roglic versus Remco when it comes to their punch at the end of a race? Does it depend on whether it's a flat punch or a hilly punch? Yeah, it's really tricky. Um,
0: I'd probably take Pog overall. Yep. Uh, Pog after a really hard climb Seems seems to still be able to punch Even mm-hmm. if he's kind of cooked Like on Lebetex, stage 15 of the tour I actually think Pog wasn't feeling great When he let Adam Yates wheel go And yep. then he, he got to recover a little bit And he still had a pretty strong kick uh, In that In the last minute of that stage But sometimes Remco like at the end of low port Went to sprint And then the lights went out and he lost six seconds in 20 meters to Roglic. Uh, so oh, maybe in the, like an uphill burst? It's hard to say. I, I think overall I'll take Poggy, but I think either one on their day, on their climb, if the other makes a mistake, it, it's really, really close. But uh, I think on a longer climb, I'll always take Poggy. Yeah. Like, for example, on uh, in Lombardia... When he, he jumped away. In, in a shorter climb like the one in Bologna where Roglic wins in Emilia, that's a different situation.
1: Is it weird that on a completely flat sprint, I might consider Remco as the first?
0: Yeah, I think Roglic is the third on a completely flat sprint. I actually yeah. don't think his 10 to 15 seconds is as good as the other two. Uh, I think his 30 seconds after fatigue, a uh, hard climb, is unbelievable. But yeah, I, I think Remco, you're right, is super aero. And he keeps winning bunch sprints like <laughs> yeah. behind. Um, yeah. <laughs> like in, in Lombardy, for example. But uh, yeah. anyway... And it's
1: also like, there was that Vuelta stage where he finished in the second group, but he let it out, spent 10 kilometers pacing at the front, let out the sprint, and then did the sprint himself, and somehow still beat everyone in the group. Yeah. And that was one where I was like, huh? How did he do that? So, yeah, it's an interesting discussion, but let's talk about him for a second at MCO. Because, like... But M calls a, a weird season for me, as in his one day record is was good, like winning the ITT World Championships and so forth. Also LBL, but it doesn't really matter for, for this entire discussion. I don't really care about his one day record. I care about some characteristics he used in that. For example, his climbing at San Sebastian or his, his sprint at the end of a race. That matters for this when it comes to the punch for bonus seconds and so forth. But if we take a look at his GCs, he won UAE Tour. He podiumed Catalunya second, very close to winning. Maybe with a different strategy on La Molina, going further out, making it harder. He might have actually competed for the actual victory. But he COVIDed out of the Giro. 45 seconds ahead after the time trial in GC. And that is having COVID in the system in the last few days before that. So he might have had a minute or something. If he didn't have COVID, that's something we'll never know. He perished on Obisque at La Velta, and that's like... You mentioned it before it's like carpeña all over again right because it's it's not that he can't handle this long mountain it's that he drops basically before the first, the second half even starts of the long mountain
0: yeah it was strange and then the next day and the next day he he basically does a hundred kilometers solo yeah on all category climbs it doesn't make sense um, so I don't know that's part of consistency but you're right I think in terms of stage racing yeah the COVID at the Giro really really makes him hard to assess even the UAE tour he got dropped on her feet I know he was riding defensively so you you have to say well yeah Yates dropped him Yates was super strong but you know Yates had to attack but then maybe Remco wouldn't have just been pacing at the front because yeah. uh, Yates lost time in the in the crosswind stage yes on stage one catalonia is the same it's like was he stronger than roglic they
1: maybe were fairly similar maybe. but i think he could have made a difference on la molina
0: yeah um and then the Giro, even the even the welter like on Aronsal, was like, whew, he gapped everybody on that first uphill sprint in yep. the, that mountain stage so he's really hard to assess one's seemingly no explanation of welter the other is a COVID positive in the Giro. The others were, you know, he was pretty good. So really hard to assess. I think maybe his peak climbing level not as good as last year. and uh, that's just gut feeling. I feel like uh what was it? That first week of the world to last year was super impressive. Les Perez, yep. the, the wall, Erlites in San Sebastian beforehand, uh Picojano on stage six. Fan choir on stage eight, really, really impressive there. And he, he basically ended the Vuelta in week one last year. And, uh, but yeah,
1: I do still remember from that Vuelta that we were always saying the third week is one of the easier ones in a Grand Tour we've had. This was a lot different than the Grand Tours we yeah. had this year. So I still need to see that truly Grand Tour very hard from start to finish where he has that consistency throughout. But I will say we've had this discussion before when it comes to his, uh, Obisque performance, I always feel like after that first week, the amount of drama Remco went through in week one, like, the amount of times he's been oh, shouting yeah. at cameras, the crashing head out to the finish line, that must sap energy. Like, that must be pressure, and that must sap energy, and it wouldn't shock me if that has an influence on Obisque.
0: Yeah, of course. Stress, stress causes your body, psychological stress causes your body to not recover as well. Uh, and that's that's obvious so it's it's obviously not ideal or even physical stress caused from a crash you are going to yeah. spend energy recovering from that crash even if you know you cruise through the next two sprint stages that it doesn't matter you've still crashed and you got to recover yep. from that in the race so yeah it Where wasn't ideal either
1: the dog crashed the
0: Giro was even more dr- he crashed with ballerini with the trek lead out yep. in a sprint stage there's a dog that crashed him um yeah, I mean, I don't think well, the dog the dog didn't give him COVID.
1: <laughs> who knows? <You> never know. <laughs> anyway. Maybe Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> um
0: Adam Yates, one of my favorite writers this year, the best British GC rider in the world who is in his first year on UAE after being on Ineos, wins the mountain stage, main mountain stage of UAE tour. Uh on her feet, third in GC there. Torreno didn't suit him, like really didn't suit him at all. That was a yeah. waste of his race days, frankly. He would have been better off, I think, training. Uh, Catalonia, massive crash in stage one. I don't know how he came fifth the next day. Yep. He was he was in a really high-speed crash uh, in Feliu. Romondy goes then a month later, dominates the Queen stage on Tion, just kills everybody, wins GC there. Dauphiné second, and then there was a, behind Jonas, but then there was a big gap between Yates and the Hinley O'Connors of the world. And then Tour de France, he wins the opening stage. And as a domestique for Poggy, he comes third. Uh, then Burgos third, and that was his last race of the years. Uh, stage race, sorry. So... um. He's clearly, he's, You can't not have Yates in your top five, I don't think.
1: I agree. I do have the feeling that... I agree. They're very different races, but Roglic's level of Vuelta is different to me than Giro level Roglic. I feel like he was at a higher level during the Vuelta, Roglic. And for that reason, in my head, if you put Adam Yates at Tour de France level in the Giro, I believe he competes for the victory there.
0: Yes, but I think that's, that's impossible. I think no one, like we see every year, that yeah. the Watts are never as high in the Giro. Yeah. And so I think it's really dangerous to apply Giro, uh, Vuelta, Watts in particular. Like say you apply, Ro- you look at Roglic, two different characters. Yeah. And so to assume Yates will be at his tool level at the Giro, I think is risky. Um, I don't disagree I with you. I think Yates yeah, can beat them in the Giro, and I think those mountain Staters would have been nice for him too. I think it would have been really good. So I'm not disagreeing. I'm even Hindley. I think it was a good Giro for Hindley too. That third week, I yep. just think it's uh, it's it's risky. And I think the Giro with the weather and all that it can be way more random. Um, but I agree. Maybe in a different count. Who was their leader? Almeida. Man, Almeida and Yates' co-leaders would have been nasty in that year.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. What is the ideal temperature for what per kilo performances? It's a little bit higher than
0: running because you have the you have the cooling from going at, you know, from riding on the bike. Um I think it it's a pretty broad range to be honest. Like there's mm-hmm. got done in 10 degrees, 15 degrees, 20, 20 degrees, probably.
1: Probably when it probably just not when it's ice cold and not when it's very hot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think just yeah, 20 degrees. So it's not, yeah, people aren't dehydrated. Because you obviously have to, it's not, it's not really Grenale, people are like, oh, Grenale wasn't a super hot day, right? In the tour of 2022. Yeah. Grenale wasn't that hot. You know what was like the surface of the fucking sun, the Galibier, And if you have over 30 degrees, I tell people, if you have the opportunity, go to high altitude, even 25 degrees, you will be like, holy shit, it is boiling. It was, I think, over 30. And so yeah. when Poggy did the huge effort on Galibier, So I think the heat before the effort is very, very important, more so even than, because guys rock up, UAE tour her feet mm-hmm. it can be 38 degrees 37 degrees but they ride at 100 watts for two hours they go to the car every 10 minutes on the flat before her feet they put eye socks they keep their they're not riding at a high intensity and they can do her feet at good watts uh, so I think it's temperature is an interesting thing and I think it's the overall stage temperature is really
1: important so are you telling me I've ridden up Ordino in minus one at the top I've ridden up Ordino with 33 degrees at the top if I ride up it with 20 degrees at the top I will beat my time by like 10 minutes
0: um depends how much the cold bothered you
1: <laughs> it did <laughs> my hands were freezing
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't think the cold would be too bad on the way mainly now, in the descent if you yeah but if you had to do a ascent in minus one and you started it really cold then you might have a problem <laughs> yeah um, yeah anyway Adam Yates really really good I can't wait to see what they do with him next year, whether yep. they actually take your advice, maybe Benji, and send him to that Giro d'Italia, because his TT is not bad at all. Um,
1: Adam Yates uh, and Sivakov, I want them to the Giro.
0: Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, Almeida, speaking of their Giro leader this year, podium that Giro d'Italia, won the Bondone. Mm, not the Queen stage, but... Of the hardest race stage, yeah. Consistent, he's the model of consistency, you know. Even when he got sick and dropped on tour uh, or Bieski, somehow top tens of Welter, still third in Catalonia, second in Tirano, sixth in Algarve, second in Polonia, doesn't win much. Uh, he actually, yeah, he won one race outside of the Portuguese NCs, which was that Giro stage this year, despite his decent sprint. He he's the really tricky one for me, Benji, because him against say Thomas, who beats him in the Giro, but then Almeida's better all throughout the year, or against Remco, who I believe his peak level is higher, Mm -hmm. shown by the Vuelta, for example, uh, in the first week, and shown by the Giro in the first week. But he's not. But he has his problems. That's where it becomes really tricky here.
1: I agree. When, I'll, when it comes to Almeida, I feel like... Like, obviously, during the Giro, I've always been an Almeida fan. The Giro, the Almeida hype is pretty on every Giro, so if he doesn't go next year, I'll be very sad. But that being said, this was also his best Giro performance. Went from 4th to six to DNS because of COVID, on his way to a potential podium, likely to podium, to now actually securing that podium. So that's a, that's a step forward for him. Like, getting that Grand Tour podium, that's a big step, was a big thing in Portugal and so forth. But he's not top five material for me, he's top seven material for me, I think, in my list, if I think about it. So, And the reason for that is that I believe if he goes to the Tour de France that he lands fifth, something like that, which...
0: Around Simon Yates and Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough as well with people gaining time in breakaways. Because um, that can sometimes muddy the waters, yep. but that's but these days that's also part of being a GC rider. Cepuis won the Vuelta because he got in the breakaway. Yep. It's I mean, guys took time. Simon Yates and Bill Bow in that Col breakaway. It's a very important part of being a GC rider. And um, talking about, him. I made it can't do that by the way. That's he cannot get in breaks.
1: Talking about the Bald Eagle. Well, to be fair, he had that one breakaway stage in Cortina Ampezzo.
0: Nah, but he was like out of GC, yeah. GC there. Well, I, I can't remember.
1: Yeah, he was, he was properly out of GC after not feeding well on that stage four, if I recall correctly, that he didn't lose like 4 minutes or 6 minutes. Anyway, the bold eagle, Sepicus, GCcus, as we are, as we proclaim him. He won La Vuelta. He won La Vuelta. And yes, he did that through a Yumbo tactical masterpiece by having him in the breakaway, forcing others to chase him, and then him getting a bonus from that stage. But he also was the third best GC rider in that race. Which, that is after his two teammates. But he was the third best GC rider in that race, in my opinion. And if you look at that, you keep that in mind, his time trial got a lot better in that race. He did that after completing the Giro and the Tour de France as a super domestique. I have him higher than Almeida. I have him higher than than Remco. I'm higher than Geraint Thomas. Really? Especially this year.
0: Uh, Thomas, I can see it because Thomas podiumed a to Grand Tour, Koos won one and then neither of them really have the consistency outside of that in GC. I mean, yeah. Koos has more so. He was top 10 in the Tour before Rodriguez will collapse in front of him. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually very difficult to ha- put an argument for Thomas ahead of Koos on yeah, in terms of the GC rankings. The interesting one is someone like Simon Yates to me, or um, like Yates, fourth at Paris, second at TDU, DNF at Romandy, wow. and then fourth at the Tour de France, and then they don't send him to any other stage races, which is a little bit curious, but he did farm a fair few points at uh, the Classics. So, yeah, is Zepkus better than Simon Yates? Was he a better GC rider than Simon Yates this year? I think yes. I think yes, because yeah. Simon Yates might have had trouble in that Vuelta. Maybe he's not 18 seconds behind Roglic on Anglerou in the third week of the Vuelta. Um, and then Hindley, you're right. It's like these other guys don't have these results. Like they're not even podiuming other World Tour races, Benji. Yep. Like Hindley didn't podium a World Tour stage race this year. Yep. And so you can't say, well, well what did Koos do outside of the Vuelta? It's like, well, fuck, he won it. And these guys didn't even podium one. Almeida's the one for me that is just... And Remco. Almeida came third in the Giro on his own back and then all those other results, I think. But it's always in the background a lot of the time. I don't know. It's, it's, it's personal preference. Has Almeida ever been at Sepp World Vuelta level? Is no. that kind of your point? You don't... Yeah, so...
1: But I also got this feeling about a lot of riders like outside of Sipka's... You, you mentioned Yanes. We we have Carlos Rodriguez, for example, who pretty sure he crashed at the Tour de France in the final few oh, stages. He crashed a million cups.
0: times the last 18 months. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and... Are you so? Jai Hindley also crashed at the Tour de France, yep. which affected his GC. For sure. He finished seven in the Tour de France, but probably could have competed for top five. I, fifth, think so, I think so. I think so. So, I'm then looking at my, my positions 6-12, to and I'm thinking, oh, are Thomas and Evenepoel and Almeida, are Hindley, a Yates and a or Rodriguez? Where does Hindley fit in that, keeping in mind the damage that he had when it comes to injuries? Because, despite the result at the Tour de France, I would rate him above Rodriguez, and despite a Yuzo yeah, getting forfeit the Vuelta, which... He would have bought him to Velta if Jumbo arrived with one of their main leaders instead of two of their main leaders, with Sipka's added on afterwards. I think I think Yuzo's Velta, I rate the same as his Velta last year.
0: It might even be better. Yeah. <laughs> it might like, even be better. Yeah. Like the gap shouldn't have been that big if the team rallied around him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, he tried to attack the next day on stage fourteen after the Tournay stage, where they had no satellite rider. Right. Yeah. They paced with Novak for an hour, and then it's like, well, where's he going to go? You know, he he was the only other GC re- leader trying things after that sort of um, uh destruction by Yambo. So. Ayuso, I think he had a tough season with the foot injury, and then he he did Swiss a little bit undercooked. He did Romandie definitely undercooked. Like he suffered on Tion, but he won the TT. Swiss he is second and won the TT and uh, uh, the descent. Uh, the descent stage where Gino Maida passed away. He just had such a short season—41 race days—and you know half of them are at the, over. Half of them are at the World so, so yeah. T- it's really tough to compare these guys because. Who else are we missing? There's Caruso. You mentioned Eric Mas Carapaz, they all cr- crash issues. Caruso is kind of, I think he made a podium that Toronto, don't really know. Um Fourth
1: in the Giro. Like, that's something yeah. I completely forgot. <laughs> what else
0: did Caruso do?
1: <laughs> Actually, don't know what else he did.
0: <laughs> 83 race days, man.
1: Fuck, that's a lot.
0: No, he didn't top. He didn't. Oh, he's third at Romandy Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, Romney Adam Yates, he,
1: he franked out form then at Dauphiné and the Tour. But yeah. Um, We've gone through this list. I'm going to start with my ranking from position 12 to 6. And you're going to tell me something stupid. I don't have 12. i I'm got top do five. It. You go, 12, you do your 12 to 5. I've fifth. got Carlos Rodriguez. I've got user above Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's undeniable.
1: I've got Simon Yates above that, roughly. In 10th. Yes. Maybe low. I don't know. I've got Hindley above Simon Yates. Yep. I've got Joao Almeida above that. That's low for Almeida. Eighth. I've got Remco above Almeida and then Thomas in sixth.
0: I can't put Thomas
1: that high. Okay. I, can, I understand yeah. where you come from.
0: There's no way. Okay, he came what second? He came one position ahead of Almeida on the Giro and he the same result effectively. And Almeida attacked on Bondone. Thomas bridged in, and Almeida won the stage. I know they pulled afterwards. And then Almeida has all those other GC results. Yeah. Not wins, I grant you, but still. Thomas has nothing. Yeah. Who would you rather have as a GC rider?
1: Wow. No, <laughs> this year. Almeida. This year. Almeida? I don't care if he comes second or third, it's a podium. Maybe that's just me.
0: <laughs> I agree. No, I agree. You you don't say you say podium. Um yeah. Thomas did beat him marginally in the Lusari TT, but I think you're being tough on Almeida there.
1: Well, I support him enough at the Giro, so... Yeah, true, he and he failed you. We were you both we were like, oh man, it's going <laughs> to win!
0: Yeah, actually, fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> nah, overhyped,
0: winless fuck. Um, no, nah,
1: we're not doing this. <laughs>
0: Well, I can't say I that because he won the Bondoni stage.
1: I remember when you called me out for calling him an <laughs> overhot. I, I, over I said fun. you when called I him. Never... And then
0: he won <laughs> Bologna two stages and the overall the next week.
1: <laughs>
0: He's a funny no, rider, man. I was um, framed. Okay, so that's your. I'm eighth, Remco seven, Thomas's six. That's your. Yeah. I think you're being a little bit. Uh, a little bit harsh on Almeida, but yeah, largely, and a bit generous to Thomas, but...
1: Uh, I'm a harsh on Remco, by putting him on seventh.
0: He he didn't have a great GC year, did he? No. Um. Second in Catalyst, to Roglic, though, and to from him to Almeida and stuff was a big gap. Anyway, I'll start with my top five. I have... Remco even a
1: pool fifth. <laughs> just stop you talking about him. Why?
0: I think... I understand that he had. He basically didn't achieve GC in either of the two Grand Tours. I'm mm-hmm. just being so generous with the pass in the Giro. I'm just probably yeah. being overly generous. Otherwise, I would have Almeida here. I just think he's level with the TT... It's just his peak level is so much higher than our maiders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like COVID denied us with not just him, but also Gagan Hart. You know, Gagan Hart, we haven't yeah. mentioned, but.
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh, he crashed Wait, out
0: of the Jira, but he won that Tour of the Alps. He looked absolutely brilliant. His TT was outstanding. You know, where would he be this year if he'd, if that hadn't happened? But can't deal too much in- the him. Yeah. I believe it. So yeah, I have uh, I have Remco ahead of mainly because Armada didn't win a, didn't win a stage race, but I guess maybe I'm overrating UAE Tour. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, if people disagree with that, I accept it. Fourth, I have Adam Yates. Third, I have Tadej Pogacar. Yeah. Second, I have Primoz Roglic, and first, I have Vingegaard. Obviously. So my other content, I think Yates fourth is just like inarguable that there's the three this year of. Jonas Pagacha Roglic, whichever order you want. I think Yates in that tier of his own is inarguable this year. Yes, and then willing to be just have a discussion from fifth to seventh, eighth. Uh, you know that's debatable. But the, I guess my second contentious one is Roglic ahead of Pagacha.
1: Wait. Yes. Before we talk about that, we need to discuss the absence of G. Seekus. Where's he at?
0: Oh, um, yeah, probably around. 7th to ninth region really yeah
1: winning the Velta obviously the tactics mattered but he was still the 3rd best GC rider there
0: he was he was
1: I think you're being harsh on our American
0: probably 5th <laughs> so at UAE Tour 4th on the feet Catalonia he was a um, so the longer s- he
1: dropped you on Bechalice not so or- good
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Giro. He was. Uh, it's tough because he was a domestique in the Tour and the Giro. Like, yeah. I can't be like, oh, well, he didn't get good results in the Tour and the Giro, so well, fuck, the guy was being a domestique. Yeah. Like, so yeah, maybe, but no, I don't. I don't have him in my top five. Sorry.
1: Heresy! Absolute heresy.
0: <laughs> but before D- we discuss- does winning a Grand
1: Tour. Oh.
0: Yeah, does that mean automatically you go into the top
1: five? No, but the level he showed while winning that Grand Tour, yeah, it the was very SC good. rider there for me is the one that tips it. After already competing in yeah. two Grand Tours before that, where he could have achieved the top ten if he rode for it, I, I see that as definitely this year deserving to be in the top five, knowing that he might not have this every single year coming now. But no, uh, see, that's, that's where jump- I disagree. Okay.
0: I think he'll be top five GC rider next year.
1: Oh, this is fascinating. i
0: and clear. I,
1: I've got him like 7A for something next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not too far apart. But I, I, switch I mean, around. with Roglic out, man, I'm looking at the season program. Like, there's a lot of World Tour races here. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't do all of them.
1: Before we jump to Pogaccio versus Roglic conversations, well, I need so your forth. ranking. Exactly. I've got 5th GC Cus. Okay. 4th Adam Yates. So, relatively agreed on the 4th one. I've got Vinga in 1st, but I've got 2nd Pogatra and 3rd Roglic. And I'll add to that, I understand that you come with Roglic in 2nd, because if you look at the results, his results are better than Pogatra this year. Yep. If you finish 1st at the Giro, and you finish 3rd at the Vuelta, that's better than getting second at the Tour de France.
0: And an extra one-week World Tour win.
1: In an ideal world, my ranking would be both of them at the same spot in second place.
0: So with the Palmares of Roglic clears Pogacar, why you have Pogacar ahead?
1: Because I don't judge the Code La Loss, five minutes loss, as its usual level. And I think that's the thing where we differ.
0: Man, that's generous. Maybe. Roglic sh- sh- shut, the- shut the bed. On Bondone, lost thirty seconds on that yeah, stage. Yeah, but
1: he didn't lose five minutes. He didn't. He. That's my point. Yeah, he did. I'm making. I'm making your <laughs> argument against mine. This is you not how it. it's supposed to be. <laughs> um. Now I believe that if if I put Pogaccio and Roglic in the same ground Tour, to see, if Pogaccio is at the Giro, he wins by minutes, not by forty seconds from
0: me. I reckon Thomas beats him in the Giro.
1: I do not believe that.
0: We'll see. I think the Giro route next for next year is good for him. I think this year not so good. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think if Roglic in the Vuelta had kind of been, you know, in Torreno he was scrapping with the second tier guys, like yeah. he was he, he was scrapping with them and beating them in the sprint and not by bike lengths either. Not like yeah. Giro della Milia. He was like bike through, beating beat you Damiano Caruso, Leonard Kamner, <laughs> Giulio Ciccone. Yeah. Yeah. Catalonia, bike throw, and lost a jikana on that sprint. If if that had been like the Vuelta, and it had been like, you know, in Aaron he got not dropped, but gapped, and, and that was his level, and, you know, he sort of backdoors his way to third, maybe I have Pog ahead of him. Because then Pog's level was just on, so, but then in the Vuelta, he comes out in that third week, and just Angleru just kills it. I'm like, well, you know his level was also insanely high on on that stage and surprised me. So he, um, that clears it for me. I also think he he doesn't. I think Jonas, I think Pogacar goes into the Tour de France second TT, the Tour de France TT closer to Jonas than Roglic could have. Yeah. But I think Roglic finishes the tour closer to Jonas than Pogacar did. Because um, I don't think he loses all that time on cold La that pogacha did, um, but
1: I agree. Roglic would not lose five minutes on cold La lose,
0: I think. But he, I also
1: uh, don't believe he would have been with Vinga on cold today still. I also I think that during the first two weeks of Grand, Prix, he would have lost more time than Pagache. Yeah, had. yeah,
0: yeah, I agree.
1: But in the last week, he would have. Not lost as much. Yeah, any yeah, yeah. sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. So... Okay. Um, But these are all hypothetical. So I just... <laughs> yeah. In theory, Pagacha Not in theory. In reality, Pagacha is the... Uh, I mean, Roglic beat him in Basque Country before, and, you know, Roglic crashed out of the previous two tours to France where he was the leader for Jumbo, but Pegacha is the better GC rider than Roglic. I think the level... This year was close enough yeah. that Roglic's huge difference in Palmares in, in stage races swings it for me. I now, would that. I rather have Rogers or Pog next year in stage races? Obviously, you would rather have Pog. I, yeah. I accept. I know that. Um, so this is another one where how much do you rate what their peak level can be yeah. versus what do they achieve?
1: Yeah, maybe I'm generous in that argument, but I wouldn't mind having them both on second place like I mentioned. But also, I'm also looking at the future and I'm thinking... We made these rankings now. What will change in 2024? And one of the first things that comes to mind is the fact that Roglic will do the Tour de France next year as main goal gives him a solid chance of dropping in these rankings next year.
0: Yeah. I think, like, what if Yates wins the Giro, wins, the soft, wins a soft Romandy, wins UAE Tour, and then goes Swiss. and podiums the Vuelta afterwards? And then you're like, yep. fuck, maybe he's third. Maybe he doesn't do anything. Yep. Um, so that's, a, that's an interesting discussion. Let's Ford think. And let us know, by the way, let us know what your top five GC rankings. I'd like to know if anyone doesn't have Vingegaard first or, um, <laughs> or if anyone that doesn't have Vingegaard, Roglic, Pegacha Yates in their top five in some description, I'd like to hear an argument for that, uh, whatever order. What's your top five next year GC riders, best GC riders in the world?
1: Jesus, this is unprepared, but I think Vingegaard remains first. Okay. I reckon Pogacar will be second in the viewership hopes that he finds a way to solve his issue.
0: Yeah. Or he goes to Giro, wins, and then comes second in the tour. Then he's still clear second.
1: Exactly. But who's going to be third?
0: Because you got Remco, know. you got a, could I use improve? Where's Rodriguez' margin? How will Roglic
1: go at Borahans Grower? Will Adam Yates have a good schedule? Remco doing the Tour de France? I don't have inferred because that's a risky move doing the Tour de France. If he does the Giro and the Vuelta, there's a larger chance that he will be in the top five for me than by doing the Tour de France because he might just have the Carlos Rodriguez fifth or fourth result at the Tour de France. Adam Yates wise, I think. I'm going to go with Adam Yates going to the Giro and the Vuelta, and therefore I will have Adam Yates in third. It's going to be really close with Roglic for me. It depends on whether he finishes the Tour de France or not. Because if he finishes, he's going to podium. If he doesn't finish, he's going to be DNF. Obviously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's tricky. (laughs) And then fifth, where do you have Remco? So you have Remco.
1: I've got Remco like... I've got Remco in sixth after Joao Almeida, who's going to. No, nah, I don't. No, no. Remco nah. in fifth, probably. And use was going to step up from like 11th in my ranking now to. to 7 to 9 position. I got Lingergard first.
0: I don't know, man. Pagacha probably second's pretty safe to go with, but.
1: Hindi should go to the Giro again.
0: I agree. No? Uh well actually, no I, sure. I think to send Vlasov because it's got yeah. good TTKs and it could be a soft start list and Kian, um, uh, Jonas Pegacha third I have uh, Adam Yates fourth, Roglic, nah and then actually that's not true, I got fourth Remco, and then fifth Roglic and I use so I have. Because let's be real, like,
1: yeah, but Borah do does not Iuso have the team too?
0: around Roglic to to put him in the situations for him to succeed the same way he did at Yumbo.
1: I agree, but when it comes to Ayuso, i I'm also like, there's so many top dogs at at that team, you know. And if I if I expect Yates to ride a Giro, then he's gonna be doing the Tour de France combined with Pogacar. Nah, I think
0: Ayuso will do the. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> I wouldn't send. No. I don't know if Yates should do the tour. I think he might be better in warm conditions.
1: If if you should do the jury, I mean,
0: I think Yates might be better in the heat or in no. not so cold. But I'm making that up. But he's good in UAE,
1: so do, I don't. I don't remember, but I reckon. I mean, Yates once came fourth in the Tour de France, right? Yeah. And the only stage I can remember from that Tour de France was him finishing in the rain on a stage that Dumoulin won. So in my head, he's good in the rain for some reason.
0: <laughs> he came fourth in the tour like ages ago. It's like 2016. Yeah. Um. How times have changed.
1: It's... Remember when we were still seeing a fucking grand tour between Miguel Angel Lopez and Simon Yates for the Vuelta? <laughs> that
0: was man, 2018. It's five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> how things quickly things have changed. You know, 2020, yeah. you would have had the list as uh Pogaccio, then I mean, maybe people still would add Rollage ahead of Pagacha in the end of 2020. Uh, 2018
1: and 2019 were truly transitioning years, yeah. right? Because, like, the level in those two years are just even if you don't look at the numbers, results wise, you can notice that they weren't on the same level.
0: And also, like, the whole top five from 2019 is not in the top five now. Uh, Bernal, Grant Thomas, Pokemon. Maybe Steven Kreisvike. I'm just reading out the Tour de France list. I can't remember the 2019 Giro Emil was. Bookman. Sneebly. Um, hey, hey. Retired. Hey. Carapaz. Yeah.
1: He would be winning otherwise if he wasn't retired.
0: Yeah. I think Carapaz might put in the Giro next year. But yeah, it's. let us know what you think. Um, who will kick on next year? Is it? Is the art in scheduling? Is there actually a lot of parity between these riders and on their day? Like, on his day, I think Jai Hindley can drop Primoz Roglic. But 95% of the time, Roglic yep. will beat him in a sprint, beat him in a TT, uh, and and all those great things. And so even though in your GC ranking, you would absolutely have Roglic ahead of Hindley, sometimes Grand Tours don't work out that way. If, there's yep. a, if there is a specific parkour, like we saw in the Giro 2022 on... Uh, Paso Fidaya, where he cooked him, uh, yep. Carapaz. Gagin Hart hopefully has a bounce back here. Ayuso, uh, maybe he'll be he'll improve. But yeah, maybe Sivakov, Benji. If Adam Yates has anything to go by, maybe he's in the top ten next year.
1: Yep. I will, I, I will really enjoy seeing Sivakov doing Italian classics at UAE. Yeah, with that stacked team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that team with an Italian classics is already ridiculous, and yeah, he makes it even stronger. Uh, is there anyone we're missing that could?
1: That could like pop up out of nowhere.
0: I think Outerbrooks is the only one who really I think could come top, be in the top five next year.
1: And with Pitcock focusing on mountain bike ah, Olympics, true, I'm Pitcock. also not. I'm also not feeling like he's gonna solve that as a consequence of his, of his focus on mountain bike Olympics because mountain bike efforts are not ground tour efforts. Yeah, I mean. At least I'm I'm not a mountain bike watcher, but that's how I feel about it. I was about it. to say
0: that he only did the tour as the World Tour stage race. He actually did a fair few stage races this year, Benji. Did he,
1: he did. Didn't a, he try Algarve, Algarve, Algarve Torino, in the time trial?
0: Swiss and the Tour? He did more. He did more World Tour stage race days to this year than Pagaccha. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's. I think next year probably won't be the year if. If, uh, yeah, as you say, there's a huge focus on the Olympics and that goes for maybe a, a fair few riders. Like I'll be interested to see Filippo Ganna's schedule in particular, uh, noting that he has the track and the TT Olympic gold, probably quite a big focus uh, for him. But Dalzadji, sorry, go on.
1: Could Matteo Jorgensen jump into the top 15 list?
0: 15, yeah. Top 15, of course. Um, then you, to be top 15, you just got to like, I don't know, Podium UAE Tour, Podium, podium Catalonia, like and, and then I use
1: when Rodriguez are on eleventh and twelfth in my list here. So yeah, you got to You got at least top five a Grand Tour.
0: Yeah, but he could, he could top five. Uh, I mean, to be honest, if if Rodriguez comes fifth in the, in a tour or a Grand Tour and does nothing for the rest of the year, and there's a guy who has more consistent results, I'd yeah. probably put them ahead of them um, yeah. in terms of overall GC because. Fifth is still not winning, and so I'd rather have the guy that's getting consistent results throughout the year podiuming other one-week World Tour races.
1: Yeah, I would agree if it's the Giro de Velta, but the Tourist kind yeah, of Yeah, the like... Tour
0: is the, is the big one.
1: Yeah, the big fish. But anyway, that's all I have to Could say when Tullet. it tell to...
0: Maybe uh... Ben Tullet podiums the Giro yeah. on Jumbo Visma. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, We'll see. Uh, anything is possible. I wonder who Ineos UC leader will be, though, uh, in those races. I don't, no who, who could be on Ineos, Benji? Because they still haven't announced, how are we supposed <laughs> to start team previews? <laughs> Movistar just did theirs. They, uh, they got Cavania and Formolo. Yeah. Ineos haven't announced anybody,
1: have they? I have no clue. I have no clue what's going to happen at Ineos. We'll see in the coming weeks. Why but... are they waiting? Is it because of Ratcliffe buying Manchester United? A stake here? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I genuinely don't know what the reasoning is because they're
0: not it. merging with Movistar. That rumor. Is because dead. Movistar announced right? all those riders. So exactly.
1: I think they're just. I think they're just waiting, and maybe they for start late when they... <laughs> <Just> waiting <laughs> for fun. They're doing an EF. It's the 2024 <laughs> season
0: has officially started. <laughs> yeah. We already had the first race of the 2024 season in Hong Kong. Jayco won it this morning. I don't know what they're waiting for. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I'm just curious.
1: Like, talking about waiting, what have you been up to the last few days?
0: Making videos. UAE won the points ranking. Um, yeah. Did a video on that. That's about it, really.
1: Not just chilling. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I'm going to Paris on Wednesday. So we've got the Twitter France route reveal on Wednesday. Yeah. Going to Paris for that. And then. Uh, got the Ruler Live November 3rd so I'm going yep. from Paris to London so a little bit of, you know uh, what am I doing in Paris? A little bit of sightseeing as well yeah, that's about it just kind of going to drive to Toulouse in the, kind of the next few days. What have you been doing? I've,
1: I feel like I've had this like what did I call it before I, the podcast started? This withdrawal symptoms of making podcasts because I'm like, every day I'm like it's so weird that we don't have a podcast today. And now we have like the schedule of two, two, uh, two podcasts per day, which I'm adapting towards now. So I've also just been spending all my time on making content, which like I spent the last three weeks going through a training program, hoping to get better and get back to form after being off the bike for 45 days. So if you want to know what my progress is in those three weeks, that's going to be a video that's up in the, in the next couple of days. So that's also curious.
0: I've been running a lot. I've been running a lot, and so my legs hurt. That's also what I've been doing. Like, they're really okay. out. Um, and also, this is the time where I, I try to organise all the business stuff. Uh, the off-season starts, and that's where I try to organise sponsors for the 2024 season for the podcast yeah. and advertisers. So this is where I do a lot of that stuff or dealing with AS, negotiating with ASO or race organisers saying, hey, can we can have the rights to, uh, to use the race footage for for the next year? So I do a lot of that stuff sort of happens as well as, oh, yeah, I forgot the Yombo stuff, but a lot of... So much season planning. Actually. <laughs> um that's sw- actually taking up a lot of my time uh since the welter. But yeah, all Italian classics. So it's been busier than I'd hoped, Benji. Um and maybe we- I go get bitten by bed bugs <laughs> in the coming week. Uh <laughs> Luke said that Time and Aronson will be in the second best GC rider in twenty twenty four. So um where has it- he
1: been since the Giro? Uh, injured, he crashed injured. terrifically but, yeah.
0: in La Vosta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Sorry, yeah,
0: yeah, he needed. uh Who's the lead out guy on Tudor? Uh, the, the Dutch D- guy. Dutch guy. Yeah.
1: Not Rick Blumberg. Zylard.
0: Zylard. Yeah, he needs him to keep him safe up to the three kilometer,
1: three <laughs> kilometer rule.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's enough for today. We'll most likely see you next with our Tour France 2024. Uh, men and women's root reaction coming later uh, this week. Until then, Joel.